Well, hello and welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore the faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And today we're asking the question, what has Jesus saved us for? sticking with us. Before we jump into our passage today, I want to let you know that we are going to be taking communion at the end of this message. So if you want to pause right now and get the things that you'll need for that, you just want something to eat, a cracker, some bread, and some juice. Well, have you ever felt unwanted? Last week, Pastor Lucas reminded us that we are chosen, that we have been predestined, accepted by God before time even began. Now, life in ancient times, in ancient Greece and in ancient Rome, is a lot like we see now. We're told that there is nothing new under the sun. The struggles that we hold now have been present throughout history in different iterations as technology changes and different things like that. But the struggle of humanity is the same across time and history. And like today, in Ephesus, there was this battle of values around the worth of a human life. Infanticide was quite common in Ephesus. In fact, it was so common that outside of the main gate, there was a mound where unwanted babies, unwanted infants could be left for a variety of reasons. If you didn't want that child, you could just bring them outside of the main gate and leave them there. Now, there are historical accounts of Jews and Christians going out to those mounds and adopting children, raising them as sons and daughters in their own home. But on a far greater scale, this mound was a death sentence. It was a sentence of death or despair for the unwanted ones. Because if a child was not picked up from this mound, they would just succumb to the elements. They would die on that mound. Now, again, there were accounts of those who would go out and adopt these unwanted ones, these children, into their home. But the group that most frequently chose these children were not choosing them into loving homes. It was the slave trade. These little ones would be chosen, but not for adoption. They would be chosen for slavery, for a life of subjugation, a life of despair, death or despair was typically the outcome for these unwanted ones. And so I want to read Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14 again with you, with this historical context in mind. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins.
He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. For those in Ephesus reading this letter and for us today, Paul is highlighting this stark difference in adoption. What have we been chosen into? What did Jesus save us for? To be sons or slaves? To be daughters or slaves? We've been chosen by the grace of God. We didn't die to our sin. We didn't succumb to the elements. But what is the life that has been offered to us by being picked up from outside of that gate. And that's what we're gonna to explore today. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us so dearly. I thank you for Jesus, for the life that we have in him, that we are not dead to our sin and our shame. I thank you that you have made us new, that you chose us, you adopted us. And so would you speak, Holy Spirit, the hope that we have as sons and daughters of God. Would you speak the assurance, that seal that you place that reminds us of what you have done, that lasting work on the cross. And would you help us to walk out our new identity as your children. So as always, Spirit of God, the one who we call our Spirit of Truth, would you speak through me. Would you speak this morning? We want to hear you. And would those words that are just birthed out of my own ideas, would you just allow those to pass before they're even spoken in your precious name? Amen. Well, Paul is using this well-known practice in Ephesus to paint a stark contrast for his readers. They understand being orphans. They understand the, uh, the outcome for these unwanted ones, death or despair. And so Paul is reminding them that through Jesus, death has been defeated. They've been saved from that outcome. They are the little ones who have been picked up from outside of the gate. They are the ones who have been chosen. They have been adopted. But the question stands, adopted to what? I was listening um, this week to a speaker, Jess Connolly, talk about the spiritual obedience found in rest. And as she spoke, she began to talk about the difference of obedience in whether we believe we are sons or slaves. And of course, I immediately grabbed a pen because I already knew this was where God was leading us today. Um, and I jotted down her words. 
A son knows they will inherit a portion of the endeavor. They partake in their participation. A slave does what is expected of them, but they leave at the end of the day without any benefit of their work. What we believe we have been adopted and chosen into changes everything else. It changes our rest and our work. It changes our relationship with God, how we walk out our faith. What we believe we have been adopted into matters. It changes everything. As Pastor Lucas shared last week before the foundations of time, you were chosen by God to become a son or daughter. And as a son or daughter, you carry all of the rights and responsibilities of a son or a daughter under the authority, the ultimate perfect authority of our father. And as we are adopted, we forsake all identity past to cling to the identity present found in Jesus through our new role in the family as sons and daughters of God. And like me, you can probably know that intellectually. I know that intellectually. But if I'm honest, so often I fall into these patterns of living out my faith, not as a child of God, but as a slave. I get so caught up in dutiful Christianity that I forget the joy of Christianity. I forget that I'm welcomed as a child into a relationship with God, with the Most High, with the Holy One, with the One who allows me to call Him Father. And so today, I hope that this is a truth that goes past your brain and straight into your spirit to be reminded that we are not slaves of God. We are sons and daughters of him. In Galatians 4, 4 to 7, we're told, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And as an heir, you share an inheritance. As an heir, a portion of all the work of your hands is something that you will inherit. It changes the way that we approach God, the Father who loves us, instead of the Master who demands of us. And it changes the outflow and trajectory of our life as those who have an inheritance, who have been called to partner in what God is doing and see the benefits of his spirit at work. But what do you believe? Do you believe you are a son or a slave because it changes everything? David Guzik wrote, God's unfolding plan for us not only includes salvation and personal transformation, but also a warm, confident relationship with the Father. 
It matters what we believe. It matters if we walk out our faith as sons or slaves. Listen to verse 5 again. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. A few weeks ago now, we talked about how God delights in us, how he welcomes us. But what does he welcome us into? I shared that so often I intellectually understand that God wants me to be a daughter, but I walk out this dutiful Christianity as if I am a slave. And for so many, myself in those seasons, Christianity can just feel like a never-ending to-do list mixed with scolding. Like God is always wanting more of me than I can actually give him. More time, more money, more devotion, more sacrifice, more self-denial. Like following Jesus means submitting to this impossible standard that I could never live up to, this liturgy of rules and restrictions. And he's just standing there waiting to catch me out when I fail, shaking his head in disappointment when I don't live up to that impossible standard. But friends, that is slave thinking. When we get to this point that it feels like never-ending duty, like God is just out there trying to destroy our fun, like God is out there just waiting to catch us the moment we slip up, like he's constantly disappointed in us, that is a check engine light for our spirit that we have forgotten what we're really adopted into. We aren't adopted into slavery. We're adopted into sonship. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Listen to that quote again from David Guzik. God's unfolding plan for us not only includes salvation and personal transformation, it does include those, but also a warm, confident relationship with the Father. We are chosen first. We are loved first. We are wanted First, I spent quite a bit of time this week at the altar, just desperately needing God. And as I sat there this week, the Holy Spirit so tenderly spoke to my spirit. If there was never another act of service, if I was never able to do another thing for God, I am fully loved. Because being His is enough. Being in relationship with him is enough. God was breaking something in my spirit, this lie that I was holding on to, and he was reframing my thinking from slavery to sonship. See, slavery is must-do. It's obligation. It is heavy and restrictive, but sonship, that is get to do. We are those who have an inheritance. It is overflow of a deep and personal and loving relationship with our Father. It is light and responsive to what he's done in our life. Do you believe you're a son or a slave? As sons and daughters, and I'm just using sons and slaves because it's an both S's, it's kind of a preacher thing, it's a little bit niche, uh, but 
I mean you too, ladies, sons and daughters. We take on the name of our father. When we're adopted, our name changes. We take on the name of our father. I was listening to an audible last week and there was this moment when the author, Beth Allison Barr, was sharing about the son of a diplomat who got caught in a very public scandal. And I didn't want to have to go listen to the whole audible again to find this story. So I'm gonna say it, tell it in a very vague way. But he was brought to his father and it was recorded that the father looked at him and said, you carry my name too. That the sins of the son reflected on the father. Yes, we are loved first. We are chosen first. We are wanted first. But here's the complimenting view that as those who have been chosen, as those who are wanted, as those who are loved, as those who are adopted, we carry his name too. All that we do now that we are his reflects on our father too. And this is a complimenting view, not a competing view, because we're not chosen into sonship and then wet, left to wallow in our sin and shame. We're not spoiled and neglected heirs, where our father stepped back and said, mm, you're on your own. No, we're children who are loved deeply. And because we are loved deeply, we are guided and disciplined and transformed into ever more his likeness. Ephesians 1.4 says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We are chosen into holiness because we carry his name too. We are ambassadors of Jesus. Everything we do reflects on our Father. Holiness out of an attitude of slavery, that is must do. It is obligation. It is heavy and restrictive. But holiness out of sonship, that is get to do. I delight in pleasing my Father. It is overflow of a life that is so saturated in the presence of God that I can't help but be changed to look like him. It is light and responsive. Again, David Guzik wrote, we are chosen not only for salvation, but also for holiness. Any understanding of God's sovereign choosing that diminishes our personal responsibility for personal holiness and sanctification falls far short of the whole counsel of God. We are full children of God with all of the rights and all of the responsibilities as children. And so we get to walk out life on this earth, a life of faith that reflects Jesus's name in our lives. We get to walk out holiness and refinement. We get to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
we get to have a clean heart and a willing spirit before him. Holiness as children, dearly loved, chosen, and adopted children isn't heavy. It's a delight. It's a joy. God deeply desires a relationship with us. He has chosen us as his children. This is what he wanted to do, and it brings him great pleasure. And as Pastor Lucas reminded us last week, we have to choose him back. We get to decide whether we are adopted or not. We need to choose. And I can think of many moments in my life where I've wondered at my salvation. Was I truly secure? Did that moment with Jesus really happen the way I thought it did? And this is why our good Father, who has so much compassion for us in all of his wisdom, promised the Holy Spirit as a seal and guarantee of his salvation. And when you believed in Christ, verse 13, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Let me read you this from Matthew Henry. What a gracious promise that is which secures the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who ask him. The sanctifying and comforting influences of the Holy Spirit seal believers as the children of God and heirs of heaven. God, in his great love and wisdom, doesn't leave us to figure this out on our own or to wonder at the validity of our salvation. No, he has sealed us as his. He has given us this assurance, the Holy Spirit who reminds us that we are his and who works out our faith in us. Romans 8 verses 14 to 16 tells us this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Friends, as dearly loved children, we are held and guided through this work of holiness. We are loved first. We are chosen first. We are filled First, and the natural working of this communion with the Spirit of God, this natural submission to the will and desire of the Father, this natural deepening of our relationship with Him that is secure, says, all of me, God, you have access to all of me, have your way. We do so as sons and daughters, not slaves who are bound by duty, but children who get to choose, who get to choose if we are going to walk out our, our identity as the ones who carry the name of Jesus. I mentioned that this week I have found myself at the altar a lot. First, my prayer has been one of deep repentance and the desire to be refined by God. 
a deep desire to have him remove those high places in my life, those places that have idols I might not even be aware I'm worshiping. And my second prayer has been this, Holy Spirit, the spring of living water, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you fill afresh and anew? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who reveals Jesus to us. He is the one who seals our salvation, but he is also the one who refines us then and breathes this life into us. He is the one who fills us to overflowing with the things of God. Church, I found myself this week like never before desperate for more of him. He is the promised one, the seal of our inheritance. The Spirit reminds us that we are children. He is the one who purifies and refines us to walk out this identity as sons and daughters and not as slaves. God loves us. He chose us before time and adopted us as sons and daughters. And this gives him great pleasure. But as those who carry his name, we are also called to walk out our faith in holiness because every word and every deed reflects on him. It is his name too. Matthew Henry writes, for this we are made and for this we were redeemed. This is the great design of God in all that he has done for us. Let all be ascribed into the praise of his glory. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. This is such a challenging verse and a beautiful invitation. Does my life give him glory? As I was studying for this message, I came across this quote and I want to share it with you as we close. For sealing, there are needed the softened wax, the imprint of the beloved face, the steady pressure. Would that the Spirit might impress the face of our dear Lord on our softened hearts, that they may keep it forever more. Friends, I don't know what your faith journey looks like, and I can't speak for you. I know for me this week has been one of softening. As God has removed lies I've bought into and freed me from things that I have been holding on to, he is so gracious when we ask him to refine us, to create a clean heart within us. He softens us so that when he, with that firm pressure, holds on to us, the imprint left behind is him. We're going to move into communion. And I want to do this as a moment of response, a moment of understanding the price of our adoption. A moment of understanding the incredible love that we will never understand 
of Jesus, of God towards us. A moment of coming back before the throne of grace and saying, search me, O God, and know me. Create a clean heart in me and pure hands, a willing spirit before you. A moment to cry out, God, would you make me soft? Would you free me from those places where I've thought like a slave and I've come before you out of duty instead of joy? Would you make me soft so that you are visible in my life? Would you fill me afresh and anew? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat this bread and remember the great lengths that Jesus went through to buy our freedom. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's remember together that we are no longer slaves under the law, but we have been brought into a new covenant, one of relationship one that is purely dependent on the sacrifice Jesus made. Now the outcome of that is a joy to walk holiness out as an overflow of the relationship we have. Let's partake together. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Father God, we thank you again. You've chosen us and you've adopted us as sons and daughters of the Most High, those who bear your name. And so would you remind us of the joy of our salvation and the delight that it is to be transformed to look like you. Would you remind us of the life that is found in obedience, of the peace that is found in a right standing before you. Would you make us soft so that the imprint of your face can be seen on our lives, in our words, in our actions. We love you. In your precious name, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today online. There's always a place for you in person. So if you head on over to myevangel.church, you can see all of the things that are happening here at Evangel Church. And if you would like to partner with us financially, you can find all the information and ways to do that on that website too. Well, friends, thank you again for being with us. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.